This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so the subject matter tonight, we're going to talk about the root of all evil, which is jealousy, um, which is really the first Avera. We'll talk about it. Before that, I just want to let you know that my shiurim in Ornava on Wednesday nights are now live. Um, they're amazing. Torah Anytime, I don't have to tell you, originated in Queens, stationed in Queens. Queens produces all kinds of good things, and one of them is Torah Anytime. And now, while I'm giving the shir, if chas v'shalom you're online for some reason on the internet, chas v'shalom, then while I'm giving the shir, you can actually watch it live, and of course the minute I finish the shir, you'll turn off your internet. Okay. Um, and um, also, whoever wants to help Torah Anytime, they're amazing. So if you, if you support them $18 a month, they give you an iPod or something else, which is totally, has all the shiurim in the iPod. So while you're working out on the treadmill, you can listen or if you want to, if you want to get my shiurim on the iPod, if you have a problem, if you're an insomniac, I know a lot of women have a problem sleeping at night. I guarantee you, it's a guarantee, it comes with the iPod. If you listen to my shiur, 10 minutes into my shiur, you'll be fast asleep. So, it's a very good thing. We're trying to sell it in CVS drugstores. Rabbi Wallstein Shiurim for insomniacs. It's better than taking medication. Okay, while you're driving, it's dangerous if you're listening to the Shiur because we don't want you to fall asleep on the wheel. Anyway, tonight, it's amazing to come here. I love coming to Queens. It's, it's, it's beautiful. 89th Road, Street, Avenue, Drive. By the time you find where you're going, it's already usually over. But it's really beautiful, and that, you, that you're here on a Monday night is, is, is fantastic. Baruch Hashem. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about jealousy. Of course, everyone in this room is thinking to themselves, I'm only here because maybe Raul Wallstein will tell a story or make a joke, because I'm not jealous of anybody. So, like, why would I come to a share about jealousy? Right? And, and, and you know, that's one of the things is realizing... Um, the pitfalls and the things that in ourselves, you know, it's very hard, it's very easy to see in somebody else what they're doing wrong, but it's very hard to see in yourself what you're doing wrong. Why? Why? Because you can't look at yourself. Physically, everything in the physical world is sort of, not sort of, it's mirrored, mirrored, interesting word, in the spiritual world. So, in the physical world, if you want to know if you look, if you want to know how your hair is or your mascara or your makeup or your lipstick or whatever else you're wearing, right? You want to know how you look, you need a mirror. Or, if you don't have a mirror, you need another person to say, how's my shaitel, how's my hair, how's my dress? You need someone to ask. You yourself, right, a human being cannot see themselves. You can see parts of your body, but the one thing you really can't ever see on your own is your face. You can see your hand, you can see your leg. Your face you can never see unless there's a reflection. That's one of the reasons that God created women. Because Adam left alone without anybody telling him that um, he needs to straighten himself out, right, would be totally off the charts. So, Hashem created Ezer Kenegdo. Ezer means a helper opposite him, which is sort of, uh, you know, doesn't make sense. If you're a helper, you're not opposite me. Yes, a mirror is one of the greatest helpers in the world, right, when you want to fix your face or whatever you want to fix. It's one of the greatest helpers, but it's always opposite you. If you put the mirror behind your head, it doesn't help you. So, an Azer, a wife, is connected, is opposite the husband, and she's supposed to tell him, sometimes, in a nice, in a nice manner, in a nice way, she's supposed to tell him how to correct himself. And, 
he also has a right to tell her things that she needs to change. Of course, you know, men, one thing they don't teach in yeshiva is how to deal with a woman. They just don't teach it in yeshiva. And like, you know, I have these Shalom Bias classes that I have with, with couples and have these young boys that are my Talmudim who just get married and like, I don't understand, Rebbe. I'm like, what? He says, my wife asked me, do I look good in this dress? And I said the truth. I said, you look terrible. <laughs> and she hasn't spoken to me for two weeks. <laughs> what did I do wrong? I was honest. I'm like, you're not supposed to ever tell a woman she looks terrible. You're supposed to say, it looks good. It really looks good. But you remember that dress you wore two weeks ago? It looked even better. You have to use your head when you talk to somebody. So, so I want to change the word a little bit to kenegdo ezer. When, when, you're, when you're opposite someone, you want to help them, you have to do it through help. I, I just had this question today, an hour before I came to the share. This woman called me from Borough Park. She says, first of all, it was on private. It was blocked. So the minute it's blocked, I know already, uh-oh, right? She says, hi, Rabbi Wallerstein, I watch all your shiurim. But I'm not going to tell you my name. You have two minutes to talk to me? I'm like, no problem. She says, we got a computer, and we had internet, and the internet I needed for my work. I'm no longer at that job, and I don't need the internet anymore. And my husband, who's in yeshiva, right, he watches, I guess, you know, on your computer you can get television, you know, Wi-Fi, Hi-Fi, whatever, I don't know exactly how you do it, but you can get television. And he watches on the computer sports. That's what he does, he watches sports. And when he goes to shul after davening, the guys talk sports, and he likes to know, you know, he likes to know what's going on. So, I told him, listen, I don't need the internet anymore for my work, so I want to get rid of the internet in the house. And he said, no, I'm watching sports, I'm not watching movies, I'm not, I'm not on, on, you know, talking to anybody, I'm not on Facebook, I'm not doing any of this stuff, I'm just watching sports. She said, Rebbe Wallstein, I know from your speeches, right now I'm supposed to make Shalom Bias, not break Shalom Bias, I know from your speeches that he's going to end up watching sports one night when I'm falling asleep, and then he's going to go on the internet, and he's gonna, it's going to end up destroying my marriage. Rebbe Wallstein, I'm asking you permission, if it's okay, I am calling the internet service, the cable service, and I am disconnecting it. And he's going to come home tonight, and he's going to try to go online, and it's not going to be there. And I'm like, no way. You cannot do that. You brought the internet into the house for your work. You allowed him to watch the sports. Now, you can't just cut him out. She goes, what do you mean? You're the one who always gets up. And you're always screaming about internet. I'm like, what does he watch on the internet? Sports. What did he tell you? What's the reason he watches sports? Is because he wants to be able to discuss it when the guys are talking. The Yankees are in first place. They play in the Mets. The Mets are in whatever. He, want, he doesn't want to feel like a dummy that he doesn't know what's going on. So tonight, when he comes home, sit down with him. Right? And say to him, why don't you listen to the Met game, Yankee game on the radio? You don't need to watch it. If you listen to the game and you listen to the scores, then you can, when you talk to your friends, you'll know what's going on. Now, he might say, well, listening is not like watching. When he says that, right, you're not attacking him and you're not criticizing him. I said, does he have a Rebbe? Yes. Is he close to his Rebbe? Yes. Just tell him nicely. 
Okay, you told me the reason that you wanted to watch sports is because you want to know what's going on. You can listen to the radio and know what's going on. So it's for a different reason. I, you know what? I'm not a rabbi. I'm your wife. I love you. I'm not a rabbi. Let the two of us, let's go to your Rebbe's house. Let's ask him if we should have internet in the house. So it didn't come from you. It's going to come from his Rebbe. It's going to come from his Rebbe. It's not going to affect your Shalom bias. So, Ezer Kenegdo means to help somebody, but you got to be an Ezer. It's very easy to walk in. you got to do this. you got to do this. You can't do this. Rebbe Wallerstein said, I heard this. I heard... Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That's not an Ezer. That's someone who's just being critical. You have to figure out how to tell the other person to be better without attacking them, without stripping them down and, and making them feel like they're nothing. You know, that, that happens too much in school. That happened to me in school. You know, we had teachers that knew how to make us feel miserable, but they could have they could have gotten their point across to us in a much nicer way. Yes, it takes patience. Yes, it takes more time. And yes, it takes chachma. You got to use your brains. It's very easy to yell at somebody. Get that out of the house! But that doesn't work. You have to use chachma. So, in the beginning of time, Hashem saw that Adam himself, you know, there's a, there's a saying, behind every great man, you know the saying? Right? Behind every great man is a woman that tells him, get over yourself. <laughs> Don't think you're so great. Right? Behind every great man there's such a woman. So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a woman to be an Azer for Adam. Now, we have to understand who I'm giving the shir about tonight. Everybody learns the Chumash, Chava, she ate from the Eitzadas, terrible, she did the Aveira, she brought, she brought death into the world and sickness and all terrible, right? Oh, Chava must have been a, a girl at risk. She must have been a woman at risk. She must have had internet, I don't know what she had. She wasn't, she didn't, she didn't go to Beis Yaakov, she wasn't at the top of her class. How could she do such a terrible thing, right? We have these pictures, we have pictures in our heads, you know, like, oh, Chava, oh, Noah, oh, these people, right? Chava was created by Hashem's hands. Chava was created by Hashem's hands. Chava had no mitzvah of kivit of aim. She had no parents. She had no human DNA. You hear? She had no human DNA because she came from Adam. Adam had no human DNA. Adam was created by God. What was Adam's DNA? Adam's DNA was when God blew into his nose, God's spirit. So, you're talking about a godly being, the first woman. A godly being. So, we need to dissect to understand how does a woman created by God go and be fooled by a snake and eat from the Eitz Hadas, do the one Avera, I'm sure everyone is thinking this room, and when you learned this as a kid, or whenever you learned this, you were like, if I was Chava, I would have never done this. I can't believe she did this. Right? You think to yourself, God puts me in the, in Gan Eden, right? He says, you can have your nails done all day. Your hair done all day. Not only that, it's a very beautiful medrash. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I have five daughters and my wife. I'm surrounded by six women. So it's, you know, where are you? Getting a manicure. Where are you? Getting a manicure. Where are you? Getting a pedicure, you know? The French one, the manicure, the whatever. Baruch Hashem. Keeps you guys busy. It's good. But the Medrash says 
The Medrash says that it's a very beautiful Medrash that by the first wedding, we don't understand exactly what this means, but by the first wedding of Adam and Chava, right? Who, this is the Medrash. Who did Chava's hair? Who did her hair? There was no one else around. Who did her hair? Hashem braided her hair. It says he braided her hair. I'm not sure if it was 12 braids or 30 braids or 130. I'm not sure. I, I forgot the Medrash. God. Hello? That's a good hairstylist. Right? God braided her hair. So, so, so this woman, God braided her hair, and then she went and she ate from the Eitanas? How could that happen? How does that happen? What's the breakdown from a person being created with God's hands to becoming the partner of a snake? How did the Nachash break her down? How did he break her down? And you know, Torah is forever. So, it's all here. It's, it's not like they wrote... Oh, you want me to give the shit sitting? Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. So, so people think that, oh, the Torah was for, for in those days. Anyone who says the Torah was for those days, you're a reformed Jew. If the Torah was for those days, not for these days, so then today, why can't we eat uh, pork? In those days, pork was unhealthy. It had tapeworm. Today, it doesn't have tapeworm. Once you get into that whole thing that today is different than it, than it was in the Torah, then you're a reformed Jew. You're not, you're not an Orthodox Jew. It's not, right? Uh, you could say, Shabbos? So it said in the Torah, you can't make a fire. That's when you had to take two rocks and knock them together. And, right, it was work. Today, I just turn the, and the fire goes on. So the Torah wasn't for that. Or turning on a light. No, we can't do that. The Torah is forever. So whatever is in here is forever. It doesn't change. People tell me, you know, it talks about, I talk a lot about bringing up children, and the Torah is pretty tough on, 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 on the guidelines of bringing up children and that you don't reward bad behavior. You reward good behavior. And you teach children consequences. And no, no, Wallstein, you're too tough. Our day and age, children are different. The psychologist said, you know, nothing's their fault. It's everyone else's fault. The first thing the kid sits down by the psychologist is like, so? Your parents did it, right? That's what happened. Your parents did it to you. No, 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 I have great parents. Oh, must be your teacher. No, 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 I have a great teacher. You must have been abused. I don't remember being abused. You were abused. <laughs> I don't remember being abused. That's the problem. You don't remember being abused. So, we're going to go for hypnosis. We're going to hypnotize you till you remember that you were abused. Hello, wake up! Stop making excuses! Get up and do what you got to do! Why does a doctor ever ask when someone walks in with a broken arm? Oh, let's sit down. We're not setting this arm until we find out why. Oh my goodness, your friend did it to you? Oh, so it's not your fault? So let's all get together. Let's cry. We're going to let you sleep for four weeks. We're going to take you to Israel because it wasn't your fault. But we're not going to fix the, fix the kid's broken arm. What are you doing? Telling the kid that it's not his fault, that he broke his arm, so therefore we don't have to fix it? So when he grows up 10 years later and he's walking around like this, who's he going to yell at? He's going to yell at the doctor, what, are you kidding me? Why don't you fix me? No, this generation, it's not the kid's fault. Don't tell them what to do if they want to stay. Some rabbi last week told a parent that came to me 
that if your kid wants to smoke pot, right, smoke marijuana, you should let him. And if he wants you to smoke with him, you should smoke with him. <laughs> I said, excuse me? Yeah, that's what he said. You have to be understanding. And that way, so I said, what? This rabbi said this? What are you talking about? He says, yes. So he asked the rabbi, I should smoke with him? I should let him smoke? And the rabbi said, that way you know who he's smoking with. He's smoking with you. Are you out of your mind? I said to him, are you out of your mind? Is this, this is what, but this is this world today that we live in. This is the world we live in today. You have to understand your kid. If your kid's doing bad things, you should do it with him. So at least he knows who's smoking with him. Sugar no. At least when the father says no, so the kid knows that it's wrong. If the father's smoking with him, then, then the kid's walking around, my father does it, so I do it, so what's wrong with it? What are you doing? We are so corrupt. We are so twisted. I would love just to get up and, and it's, it's so out of control. It's out of control. So, and, 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 and I get it over the head all the time, and I'm not telling you that therapy is, is, doesn't have its uses. It has its uses. And I'm sure there's some ther- therapists sitting here right now, and the blood in the back of their neck is like, Wallstein, don't you even think about talking bad about therapy. Don't even think about it. Who are you? You're a therapist? Do you know anything about it? Did you go to college? Did you learn it? Did you study it? How dare you talk about it? I want to talk about it anyway. Because I'm a Rebbe for 32 years. I've been in therapy for 32 years. My kids, my class, they give me therapy. A lot of therapy. <laughs> What's this deal? Marriage therapist. Husband and wife walk in. Sit down. Now, if a husband and wife are going to a marriage therapist, I think that means the marriage is not very good at the moment. Correct? Correct. They're not going to therapist to spend $150 an hour for no reason. So they sit down, and the therapist says, Hi, hi, hi. Could you, he says, turns to the lady, could you write, a, could you write, take out a piece of paper, take a piece of, could you write five things that you'd like your husband to change? And then she turns to the husband, and I'm not talking off the top of my head, this is what I do day and night, I live in this, this is where I live. This is where Rabbi Wallstein lives. To the husband, could you write five things that you'd like your wife to change. In the next four weeks, we are going to, five weeks, in the next five weeks, we are going to work on number one through number five. And we're going to try to make it work. Husband's like, let me see what you wrote. What? (laughs) Number three? She wants me to change that? I thought she was happy with at least that. She's like, yeah? How dare you? Write number one about me. And they're killing each other. Much worse than before. That is not Jewish. Jewish is not looking at what I want you to change. Jewish is looking at, wow, what you have, what your greatness is. Not what your faults are. This is not Yiddishkeit. This is not Judaism. This is not God. This is not a Torah. Looking at what I want you to change. Who are you to tell me what to change? So let's come up with a new therapy. And I'll tell you how I do therapy. Husband and wife walk in. They don't get along. I'm like, could you write one thing, just one thing about her that you love? Just one thing about her that you love. 
And I tell her, can you write one thing about him that you love? And if they can't, we're in trouble. Sometimes they can't. And we have to, I say, okay, you can't write anything. Now we need to, we need to work. We need to work and we need to find out why there's something in another human being in the world that there's not one thing that you can find that you love about that person or that's good about that person. And of course it always comes back to the source that means that there's nothing about yourself that you like. If you can't find something good in another human being, that means you can't find something good in yourself. And when you can only find bad in another human being, that means that you can only find bad in yourself. Jealousy? That I'm jealous what you have is based on that I don't have it. So Shalom Bayez is about bringing one thing to the table. And I have seen some amazing... I've walked out. I I love that. When they start crying and they start like, I wrote three things about you. Really? I walk out of the room. When it gets to tears and all the emotion, I'm like, I'll be back in an hour. Let me bring you some drinks and some cookies. You know? is this? Five things that your parents should change. Kid comes to therapy. Write five things your father and mother should change. Oh, sure. Sure, when I grew up. Sure. Dad, here's a list. Change them. It would have been out the window. That would have been number one on his list. What? What? <laughs> parents have to change. So if parents have to change and everything has to change, what don't you like about your teacher? What don't you like about the school system? What don't you like about your parents? What don't you like about Judaism? What don't you like about God? Hey, look at me. I'm going to write everything I don't like. And they're going to fix it all. I'm going to sit back and they're going to fix it all. I don't have to do any work. That is the opposite of Yiddishkeit. Please, if there's any women therapists in here, you have to go to school. You have no choice. That's the way you get a degree. But, 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 but your advice has to come from this book. Has to come from this book, not from some book that some mushkis, lowlife, homosexual wrote. That's not where our psychology comes from. Or some professor who's gay, who's giving you a class, don't sit there and look at him. Oh my God, the professor said. Fair! Fair! Who's the professor? He knows Tyra. He does mitzvahs. You're way above the professor will ever be. You have a holy Jewish neshama. What are you walking around in awe of these people? What are these people? What are you in such awe? So yes, you have to get, to become a doctor, you have to go and you have to get a degree. But that degree is not who you are. The Torah is who you are. Open up, open up, look at the, the Chafetz Chaim wrote about relationships between people more than anyone that ever wrote about relationships between people. He didn't have a master's, believe it or not. He didn't have a PhD. He didn't go to college. All his ideas, his knowledge on how a human being should interact with another human being came from this book. All of it. So yes, you got to go to school. You don't have a choice because to get to that kid and to get to that family to help, you have to get a degree. No question about it. But don't, don't believe in it. It's not a Bible. The 12 steps of AA, I just gave a whole speech on this. They call it a Bible. It's not a Bible. Who wrote the 12 steps of AA? Go check them out. See who wrote it. A Godol? 
Rav Chaim? Moshe Feinstein? Who wrote it? A drunk! Who wrote it? Are there smart things written in the 12 steps? Yes! Check it out. It's written in your Chumash. Every guy that goes to AA that I sent to AA, and AA has it. Again, it all has an importance. Just don't believe in it. In other words, there are guidelines that you need to follow, but it's not the Torah. Don't bow down. Don't, don't fall into that. Oh my goodness. There's a Torah. And there are good steps. And if you look at the 12 steps, you'll see that it's Mamish straight out of Chafetz Chaim, straight out of Messias Yisharim. It's like someone took the Messias Yisharim and they took 12 chapters out of Messias Yisharim. You show it to a tzaddik, 12 steps. I showed it to a rabbi. I said, I need you to read this because I, I need to talk to you about it. He read it. He says, this is a little piece of, 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 of a Muslim farm. Big deal. Whoa, whoa, ooh. What is this? Wow. I'm not, I'm not like... He said, yeah, they, they took some stuff from the... It's all in here. It's all in here. It's all in here. We're destroying this whole generation. We're destroying this generation. We're, letting, we're, we're rewarding bad activity. Don't yell at your kid. Don't punish your kid. If he wants to run around and break everything, let him break everything. Sure, my parents did the same thing. So, so I'm trying to understand. So, so it's a big argument that I have the chutzpah to get up on, 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 and talk to you like this, right? I get it over my head. Oh, right, Wallstein, you're one. Everyone's a get. Well, how could you talk against psychology? I'm in this. I'm in the street. I'm with the kids. I'm dealing with it. I'm telling you that I'm a businessman and I look at the product. You tell me this, this medicine works. I don't know if it works. You know what? If the, if the sick person gets better, it works. If the sick person gets worse, it don't work. I don't care if you had trials with mice and rats and kangaroos. If it ain't working, it ain't working. Guess what? The generation is falling faster and further, and further away from God, and kids are falling off. Marriages don't stick anymore. Businesses don't stick anymore. Children's relationship with their parents has never been this bad. Drug use, and smoking, and alcoholism, and and gambling has never been this bad. Guess what? It ain't working. All the nice, oh, go ahead. Do whatever you want. Oh, I should smoke with you? Sure. You want to drink together? I'll drink together with you. Sure. Maybe I'll teach you how to drink. Maybe I'll bring the whiskey. You know? A kid, a kid on Ocean Park in Brooklyn where we live, he takes out a cigarette on Shabbos, religious kid. And he takes out a cigarette and he lights it up on Shabbos on Ocean Parkway. Right? We have 15 rabbis come running over to him. Chaim! Chaim! You want to come to my house for chillant? And, and can we buy you a ticket to go to Israel? And, and we'll go to Camp Extreme in Colorado. We're going to climb mountains. And you need a new wardrobe? How about the new Nike sneakers? Cut. What? And the kid who's keeping Shabbos, who's sitting all day Shabbos and learning. Greasy guy. Loser. Don't give him nothing. So like, if I was growing up in this generation, of course I'd be, have a cigarette in my mouth on Shabbos. Because we have learned to reward Negative behavior. We reward negative behavior. And we don't reward positive behavior. And we're losing our kids. We're losing everything. Losing everything. We're losing the war. There's a party tonight in Manhattan for kids 16 and younger. 16 and younger. I shaved. I thought, no, they don't let me in. Right? (laughs) 3,000 Jewish kids. 16 and younger in a, in a nightclub that has three floors that is the rage of Manhattan for adults so they went ahead 
and they made, they're not doing well now because nobody has money, so they went ahead and they made it for kids, 16 and younger, three floors of every Avera in the world except alcohol. So I, on my way here, I'm like, Hashem, 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 help me. Help us. <laughs> What do we have on? What do we have on the good side? What, what, what do we have? On, what do we have on the good side? How do we fight this? How do we fight this? So there's one parent. I said to the parent, "You, uh, you, you shouldn't go online to read what it says there." But the advertisement is on the first floor, right in the lounge. I can't even. I, I won't even say it out of my mouth. But there are older girls, and they're doing all kinds of stuff, right? And I said to this mother, "Your child is 15 years old. Are you out of your mind? You are paying for this child, your son." To go to this party? Ready? This generation answer. It's okay, Rabbi. I'm going to drive him there, and I'm going to pick him up. I'm like, I wasn't worried about the ride there and the ride home. I was worried about what's going on inside. Get it? Get it? The Satan is sucking out three thousand souls tonight. 3,000 of our brothers and sisters, he's taken every one of those souls tonight. That's why I came. That's why I'm in Queens tonight. I came to speak to the public school kids. Baruch Hashem, some of them are not going. We're living in a generation where, where everything is okay, everything is good, because everybody, mothers, brothers, rabbis, revitzids, are scared to get up and say, no, you can't go. No. There's a consequence. You show up at home and it's after 11. My doors are locked. I can't say that. I can't say that. Okay. So they're going to come home at 5 o'clock, drugged, drunk, out of their minds. 11 o'clock. You, you, ha- you have a household. You have other kids. My house is closed. I love you. I care about you. You're my child. I'll do anything for you. But I have a house. And I, say, I tell the kids, I say, it's not a punishment. A punishment is you tell your daughter, you better be home at 11. Kid shows up at 11.15, all the doors are locked. That's a punishment. You tell your daughter, at 11 o'clock, I am locking all the doors. And she shows up at 11.15, it's not a punishment, it's a consequence. Right now, right now it's 5 to 10. There's a restaurant right here, I'm very hungry, I didn't eat supper. There's a restaurant that I know is closed at 10 o'clock. They told me, right, Wallstein, you're here before 10, we'll have something for you. We close at 10. Now, if I show up at 10.30... And the doors are closed. Can I scream at them through the door? Why are you punishing me? What did I do wrong? They're like, we're not punishing you. We close at 10. You show up at 10.30, it's closed. Parents don't know how to talk to their children. I'm not punishing you. I love you. I'll do anything for you. But I am not going to reward you. I'm not going to give you the dollar, the $50. You know what I did? I'll tell you something that I did this week, this, this month of Shabbos. My rabbi almost killed me. So, my rabbi smokes. He smokes. Whatever. He's, when, when he was growing up, and he went to school, and I was growing up, smoking was not unhealthy. There was no, on the pack, I'm that old. They thought that smoking was good for you because it kept you very calm. No, really, they didn't know it was cancer. It was, it was, it, everybody in my yeshiva, I didn't smoke because I was a hockey player. I couldn't smoke. But everyone in my school was smoking. I was breathing in in the base medrash when I was learning enough smoke to, to, to be a chimney. It was like not normal. There was smoking in there. So a lot of guys started smoking. They still smoke. It's very hard to stop. My rabbi smokes. So let's say Shabbat, right? You know, a smoker on Shabbat doesn't need a cigarette. But the minute Shabbat's over, they're like shaking, right? It's in their, it's in their stender. It's in their drawer. It's like ready to go, right? So he was standing on one side of the bima. I'm on the other side of the bima. And Shabbat, Shabbat was over. 
And he says to me, could you open the drawer? I open the drawer, and his pack of cigarettes were there. He says, could you give me the pack of cigarettes and the lighter? And I'm like, no. He said, what? I said, no. What do you mean, no? It's not Shabbat. It's not Shabbat anymore. I'm like, Rabbi, I am not going to give you a cigarette, even though it's your cigarette. Because the cigarette I'm about to hand you might be the one that's going to cause cancer, and you're going to die, and all your children are going to be orphans. You know why? Because Wallerstein gave him that cigarette. I'm like, Rabbi, you want the cigarettes? Get them yourself. (laughs) My rabbi. This is my rabbi. What? We have to help them? Hurt themselves? Will I have to buy my child internet because all his friends have it? Oh, great. So if his friends all have poison, let's buy him poison. So you be the mean mommy that said no. Now one day, that kid's going to be, instead of walking around like this, because you you let him be whatever he wants, he's going to say thank you. This whole generation is going to turn around and tell us, why did you let me get away with it? Look what you turned me into. Look at the monster you turned me into. Why didn't you stop me? What do you mean? You told me you're an adult. Oh, this is another very intelligent American line. A worldwide line. Kids drinking alcohol. Father says, stop drinking. Kid says, why? When you're my age, right? We tell that to our kids. When you're my age, then you can drink. Right? Excuse me, one second. I'm the kid that you keep saying... Kids are stupid. You know, kids don't think. Adults, we think. So when I'm an adult and I can think, then I'm allowed to drink. So that means drinking is good. Just the opposite. When you're a kid, you should be able to drink because you're a fool. You have no brains. But when you're an adult, you surely shouldn't drink. When you're my age, you can smoke. When you're my age, you can do these things. Now, I'm on the internet. When you're responsible and you're my age, people are like watching his mother. She's going to that one. She's going to this place. She's going to that place. She's in a chat room. She's in a chick room. She's in that room. She's in the other room. She's in a, what's the, what's the new word now? Uh, Cheech and Chong and what? Tweety, Tweety. Twitty and Twitty and Twitter. And you're Twittering and you're Tweetying and, and the kid's standing there and you're like, you can't touch my computer. Only I'm allowed to be on the computer. But mommy, you're on the internet, right? This is the famous saying. Mommy, you're on the internet. Why can't I be on the internet? When you're my age. Mommy, get off the internet. Mommy, get off the internet. You can't, why are you always, uh, tell your daughter, why are you always on the phone? You're always on the cell phone. We have a family. You never talk to me. Why are you always on the cell phone? Ma, you're always on the cell phone. I know, but I'm your mother. (laughs) Good answer. You take apart that answer. You're my mother. Oh, so mother can be on the cell phone. She's not supposed to talk to me. But I... What, 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 what is that? What is that? So I'm coming to tonight, I'm supposed to talk about jealousy, but I am so upset. <laughs> I am so upset about what's going on that, that you're my therapist tonight. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, I'm getting it off my chest when I go home, I can sleep. You may not sleep, but I can sleep. <laughs> you're my Asa Connecto tonight. I'm letting all you have it. They're like, they're going to go home all upset, and I'm going to go, ah, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> I feel good, I feel good. All right, so let's talk about, let's talk about jealousy. So this was Chava's mistake. Chava's mistake was, along came a snake, and it says the snake was Arum. Arum means he was very shrewd. He was dealing with a creation that was created by God's hands. How was he going to get this woman to do such a terrible sin? So the first thing to get a woman to do a sin, number one, I'm a guy, 
Right? Number one rule by a guy. If you want to get a woman involved, the first thing you need to do is to talk to her. You got to talk to her. And, and, and I'm telling you this because I sit with this all the time. Right? You, a guy can't walk up to a woman and say, Hey, Susie, let's do an Avera. She's like, oh my God, he's weird. <laughs> disgusting. Disgusting. What a disgusting guy. He's abusive. Ugh. I wouldn't even go near that guy. Girl, stay away from him. He's weird. He's a guy in the office. He's chasing women. He's an abuser. He's absurd. They're terrible. So, so the guy hunters, right, who are after all of you, every one of your souls, every one of you, because you are the mothers of, you are the mothers of the Jewish nation. Take the factory out. You know the story with the Germans? The Americans bombed the, the factories that were making the tanks. Because if you have to bomb every tank, it's going to take a very long time. But if you hit the factory that makes the tanks, then all the tanks are done. So the Sahara used to go after the men. But you have to go after this guy, and after this guy, and after this kid, and after that kid. Take the mother out. Get her stuck on the internet. Get her busy on her phone all day. Take her out. You get her husband. You get the whole family. So he's after all of you right now. In the times of Mashiach, they want the woman. It's much easier. Take one woman, you took a whole family. Take one man, and you got to go take the rest of them. So he's after the women. There's nothing to talk about. So, so how, do you, how, how do you get a woman to do an Avera? How do you get her involved? A married woman at work and all these stories that come to my table. Crazy stuff. Good people, good ladies. People that are, that are nice, good people. How do they end up in affairs? How do they end up in all this schmutz? The answer is, how do you get a woman? You talk to her. You walk up to a woman, you say, <laughs> she's like, I'm out of here. But you walk up to her and say, hi. I see that, um, I see that, you know, your husband sends you, sends you roses every once in a while. I see that you have a very good marriage. Yeah, our marriage is pretty good. Um, can I like just talk to you for five minutes? Sure, you guys love to talk. You love, no, not, not to talk. You love to help. Because you have a motherly instinct, right? So you love to help. So the Yetzirah knows, how do you get to the woman? You have to be needy. If I don't need you, you're not talking to me. No, but if I need you, I have to talk to you. Like he plugs into your your maternal instinct. So I'm, I'm married a few years, and 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 me and my wife, we just don't seem to understand each other. Um, maybe it's me. You know, maybe it's me. Maybe it's not her. Could, you know, could you just tell me a little bit about you know, like how does how do you talk to your husband? Like when he gets angry, what do you do? And you're like, wow, I can really help this guy. And you get slowly emotionally involved. Starts with two minutes in college. Some guy asking you about Judaism. Like, wow, you girls are so different. You girls are so different. I'm not talking. I'm not talking from the walls. This is this is the world I live in. You, you Jewish girls, you're so different. You know, you you have this like princess thing about you. You know, and, and the way you get dressed. Is the law that you always have to be dressed like this, or, or is the, and you're like, well, you know, and what is that called in Hebrew? And you're like, wow, Tzniyos. He's like, wow. And he's got you. You're done. You're finished. You're done. You're done, Dunsky. You're done, Dunsky. You're a barbecue chicken. You're finished. You're done. Well done. You're finished. You start talking to a man, right? He will, he will rope you in emotionally. And I hate to tell you this, but it's a known fact that all emotional relationships end physical. 
not all physical relationships end emotional, but all emotional relationships end physical. Because the ultimate emotional relationship is an emotional, a good emotional and physical relationship. So when a person is in a very heavy emotional relationship, they're looking for that physical relationship. You have this woman who is the kindest, sweetest, sadekist. You have this girl who's the sweetest girl, and she finds herself in a situation. She doesn't know how she got there. I know how she got there. She got there. Why are you talking to another man? Why? Why? You want to help him? He needs help? Tell him to go to a marriage counselor. He wants to know about Judaism? Tell him to go online. Ask the rabbi, Aisha Torah. He's not going to go. No. Well, girl, I told this to a girl. She said, okay. She went the next day and told this guy, listen, I don't want to talk to you anymore. My rabbi said you should go talk to a marriage counselor. You know what his answer to her was? You are better than any marriage counselor ever went to. <laughs> what do you think? We don't know how to hunt? We know how to hunt. It's natural. It's natural. So how do you protect yourself? How do you protect yourself? You protect yourself. You're not allowed to talk to another man. If he wants to know about Judaism, send him to a rabbi. If he wants to talk to you about his marriage, tell him to go see a therapist. Chava's mistake was when the snake came to her and he said to her, What's up with the tree you're not allowed to eat? Is it all the trees? It's a guy in college. It's a regular guy at work. Nice question. The Nochesh didn't say, and I don't even want to tell you the Kabbalah what the Nochesh did to Chava. Not so simple the story. I'm not even going to get into that whole story. It's not so simple what happened. Okay? How did she fall to such a level? Because she had a discussion. She, she, she started talking to him. She said, Is it all the trees? He knew it wasn't all the trees. So she said, No, it's just this tree. Hashem said, We can't touch it. Oh, she was going to, she was going to be Makare the Nachash. Yeah, she could do it. No one else could do it, but I could do it. And the Nachash pushed her, and she touched the tree, and you all know exactly what happened. But, the Nachash knew something, and that's what my share is really, the, the source of my share. He knew what's going to get her more than anything else, jealousy. So he came to her and he told her all kinds of stuff, but he couldn't get her. And finally, he said the following. You won't die if you eat from the tree. Because God knows. When you eat from it, your eyes will open up. So far, he didn't have her. So he's telling her a fact. The fact is, when you eat from the Eitzadas, you're going to know from good and bad. Your eyes are going to open up. Whoa, you're going to go from a 100 IQ to 190 IQ. Okay, big deal. I don't need that, right? Then he said the big word. This is how he trapped her. And you're going to become like God. You're going to know the difference between good and bad. Why don't he just say, You're going to eat from the tree. You're going to know the difference between good and bad. What's this? You're going to be like God. He plugged into her jealousy. He said to her, Everything is nice, but God has something you don't have. He knows good and bad. So she didn't eat from the tree because she wanted to know good and bad. She didn't need to know good and bad. She ate from the tree because because Hashem has it and you don't. Right after he made that comment, the next Pasuk is her downfall. Until then he didn't have her. Chava went past this tree all the time. It never was anything good to eat. But the minute someone else has something you don't have, even if you don't need it, it looks good.
It's so true. So true. A friend of mine just bought a Porsche. I'm very into cars. He just bought a Porsche. Sports car, and it's a convertible. And I'm like, whoa, he lives right across the street from me, right? It's in his driveway. I'm like, wow. And I look at the car and I'm like, is it automatic or a shift? He goes, it's a shift. I can't drive shift. I don't know how to drive shift. If I drive shift, there'll be no shift. I have no idea what to do. <laughs> so I walked away from it. I'm like, I told my wife, I said, FD? It's German. I won't buy German. I'm like, but if I could buy German? <gasps> wow, that's some car. And my wife said, but you don't drive shift. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. But if I could drive shift, I wish I could have that car. What are you jealous? You jealous of stuff that you don't even know how to use? You don't even want, girls. I'm sure none of you. But how many pairs of shoes do you buy that you never wear? <laughs> Why? Because I went to Shul and she was wearing a pair of shoes like that, right? So, ooh, those are nice. So when you go to the store the next time, you don't even realize it. I'll do a little psychology. You don't even realize that the reason you're buying that pair of shoes, right, is not because you need it because you're never going to wear it. You don't need it, that's for sure, right? It's in the box still, right? You don't need it, but the reason you bought it was because a week before you saw that someone had it, right? And now you, you come to Bloomingdale's, you're not even looking for those shoes, you're looking for different shoes. You go by, they're there, I like them. You don't even have the psyche to understand, I like them because she wore them a week ago. You don't realize that there's a connection. That's, that's kinna. That's the basis of everything that we do. And what happens? Automatically, the tree, who she saw before, wasn't good before, now became good. What happened? The tree changed? Didn't change. But now she heard, God has something you don't have. Oh, that fruit looks good. The Pasuk. Then, the chitaiva hulainayim. Not only did it look good, but it came a taiva. A taiva means lust. Lust means I must have it. It's different than something. Oh, that's a nice pair of shoes. I'm just shoes because whatever, whatever reason. I'm going to talk about shoes a little bit. But, right? Shoes, nice shoes. I like them. They're nice shoes. That's called kitav. I like them. Taiva is, I must have those shoes. But you don't have the money. Doesn't matter. Layaway plan. I don't care. I must have those shoes. You don't need them. It's the middle of the winter and those are white summer shoes. I know. But they may not be around in the summer. I must have them. I can't go home without them. I'm not going home. I can't live. I can't live. Tati, Tati, I can't live without those shoes. Tati, please buy me those shoes. Tati, please, please. I must have those shoes. Hello? I must. I must. If you don't give me those shoes, I don't know what I'm going to do. I love that saying. I don't know what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? You're going to go home with $80 more in your pocket. What are you going to do? Right? I must have those shoes. That's, that's the next thing. From kinna becomes, ooh, I like it. And then it becomes... I must have it. Taiva. Onward. The nechmad ha'etz lahaskil. Nechmad means that you make it okay. It's like, what's wrong with you? There's something wrong with you. You must have that dress. You must have that shoes. You must have... What's wrong with you? Nechmad means that you take that and you make it... There's nothing wrong with what I want. It's what I need. It goes from something that's nice to something I must have to something I need. It's nechmad. It's, it's something I need. It's, 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 it's not because I'm a bad person. It's not because I'm out of control. It's because I need it. That's the end. When, when, it's, when it's nice and it's, it's something I must have, you know there's something wrong with you. When it becomes I need it, then that's gone. And then if I need something, it's like water. 
There's no difference between those shoes and a drink. There's no difference between those shoes and food. There's no difference between those shoes and ear. I need ear, I need those shoes. It sounds funny, but that's the way it works. It starts off, it looks good. Next is a taiva, and next is nechman. And then what she do? Like she ate from the tree. So the root of the whole first Aveira, the root of the first Aveira was jealousy. And of course, my famous Rashi, where it says, She ran to her husband, and she gave him from the fruit. And the question is, here she was, jealous of God, that he knew good and bad. Now she was like God, right? She was like God. The woman was like God. So the last thing a woman would want to do is if she's like God, give it to her husband. Because now she's above her husband, way above her husband. She knew Toiv and Raph. Why are you giving this to your husband? He, Adam, only knew Toiv. He only knew good. So all day long, Adam was walking around with a big fat smile. She said, I burnt your toast. Thank you. <laughs> I dropped uh, the new crystal vase. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> I didn't go to work today. Oh, you should be avenged. Right? He only knew Tov. What a husband. Girls, what an amazing husband. He only knew good. He walks around. You look beautiful. You're special. Oh my goodness, Rabbi Wallstein spoke about a list of one good thing. What kind of rabbi is that? I could write a thousand good things about you. Imagine having such a husband. Adam was that husband. He only knew good. He walked around happy all the time. It can get pretty boring, right? You're like, we don't want a husband like that. You've got to get a little bit nasty once in a while, right? Okay. <laughs> That's a different share. Why women, whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that at a different time. Okay. So you get bored. Good guys, boring. Good guys are boring. Right. So, oh, he's a good guy. No, I don't want to go out with him. He's a bad guy. But he went to Israel and he came back a good guy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can you get me a date with him? Hello, the guy did every Avera for eight years. He's only good for two years. What's wrong with you? No, but, he's, but he was bad and he's good. You guys like bad guys. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. Maybe because the first, you know, maybe because of the Nachash. He was a bad guy. You liked him. I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but it's like crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you stories. Shiduchim, a girl makes a mistake. She's a, she, she hangs out a little bit, right? And then, and then she gets a name. She hangs out with the boys. And by the way, the boys that you hang out with are the ones that are going to go to Yeshiva and tell the other guys, her? Huh, don't go near her. She had a freckle on her left shoulder. Oh my God, you know that? Forget it. The whole yeshiva and then everybody, God, her shidduchim are over. Right? So the girl who, so she goes to Israel and she goes to seminary for two years and three years and she's a madricha and a manhiga and she's the rebbitzin and she do everything. She can't get a date. Her? She used to hang out. She's a bum. Can't get a date. Now the guy who hung out with her, right? The guy who hung out with her and hung out with eight other girls and smoked pot, and drank, and cracked the car on a Friday night into a tree. I mean, he's bad. Bad to the bone. <laughs> he goes to Israel for two years, right? Changes, two, three years, right? Comes back. There are a hundred, listen to what I'm telling you, there are a hundred girls online to go out with this guy. He lands, allow lands at 5.30 in the morning, right? There's like 50 girls with signs. Shalom Aleichem, Avi's back. Why? 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 Different share, not tonight. We'll save it for a different time. But there's a good reason. It's a fact. It's a good. Now you're going to tell me it's not fear, and Jewish religion is not fear to women. Baloney. It's not the reason. 
Because you know what? In the Goyesha world, it's no different. Guys don't want bad girls. Guys want girls in the Goyesha world. The best. Never been with anybody. The best. And girls, any guy, he's a good guy. No matter what he did, he could have been a health angel, motorcycle guy. It doesn't make a difference. Right now, he's good. There's a certain mentality. There's a reason for it. It's a zayar. It's a long draw. It's a long shear. Mitzvah Hashem. Next time I give a shear, I'll explain to you so you understand this mishigas. But it's not a mishigas. It's 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 part of of a woman's psyche and a man's psyche. Are very very different. Anyway, getting back to the subject matter. So Adam over here, why is she giving him to eat? So Rashi says, it's a very tough Rashi. And Rashi says, why did she want to give him to eat? Because that. Once she ate from the tree, she's going to die, and he's going to live. You hear this? Ladies, what kind of marriage is that? Oh, I'm going to die, so I'm going to kill him too. So Rashi says, when she ate from the Eitz Hadash, she knew she was going to die. So she said, I'm going to die, and he's going to live forever. He's going down with me. And she gave him to eat from the Eitz Hadash. Says Rashi, two more words. Why did she want him to die? Three words. Three words. Shema, maybe, Yisa Acheres. Because if I die, and he lives, she's going to marry someone else. You hear? She murdered her husband. Because she was jealous. Lady, what are you jealous of? If you die, you don't even know what happens after you die. So let him, let him, leave him alone. Let him marry someone else. What does it bother you? Who's going to marry someone else? Let him marry someone else. Oh my goodness. You're not alive anymore. Let the man live. No. No, says Rashi. I got a better question. I got a better question. There was no other woman. What is she worried about? She was the only woman in the world. Ms. Shuganah, what are you worried about? You're worried he's going to marry someone else. There is no one else. Jealousy. Jealousy doesn't have to make sense. There doesn't have to be another woman. Just, he cannot have anything better than me. And where did that come from? It came from the first Avera, the source of the first Avera was jealousy. And therefore, in every sin that we do, is the source of the first Avera that destroyed the world, and that was jealousy. And we see right after this that they have two children, Cain and Hevel, and immediately Cain kills Hevel. Why does Cain kill Hevel? Because he was jealous. Because Hevel's sacrifice went to God, and Cain's sacrifice did not go to God. So this DNA was already, spiritual DNA was already in Cain and Hevel, and Cain killed Hevel. And as you'll see, as you go on through the Torah, Yaakov and Esau, Yosef and his brothers, and continuously and continuously and continuously, even in the greatest of people and the greatest of times. There is one, one thing that I've been thinking about. Maybe someone here can give, come up with an answer, and you can leave a message on Ornava's phone or send an email, if Chasrishalm you're on the internet anyway. Um, one thing I have a question, and that is, um, I was looking for it today, I didn't find it yet, that we know the story of the sun and the moon. And we know that the, the, the sun and the moon were created equal. And the moon came to Hashem and said to Hashem that I want to be bigger than the sun. Where did the moon get jealousy from? So it seems to be that there was jealousy in the world even before 
the Nachash used it, the snake used it, to get Chava to eat from the tree. Because how can a moon be jealous of a sun? Where did that come from? Where is the source of jealousy on the second day of creation? I don't know. I don't have the answer. Anyone who could find that answer, I would find it very, very interesting. Okay. Anyway, it's late. Oh, I missed supper. Okay. Um, no. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. There's plenty of places to eat. Um, so I want to end. I want to give you all a bracha. Rav Shem says that the lowest object in the world is a mirror. Because you never see the mirror. You only see what reflects in it. So the object itself has no contents. You're looking in the mirror, you see, you see people and you see chairs. You don't see the mirror. So he said that a mirror is the, is the, is the lowest object in the world. And he said that the, the, the sun and the moon, if the, if the moon would have said, and I think it's a very important point in jealousy that you need to know. If the moon would have said, Hashem, I want to be bigger, right? Then Hashem would have made the moon bigger. Because that's not jealousy. If, if you want something, because you want that something, you have a right to ask Hashem for it. But if you want that something because somebody else has it, that you're not allowed to do. So when the moon said to Hashem, I want to be bigger than the sun, that meant that the moon was jealous of, this, of being equal with the sun. Hashem said, your punishment for that is I'm going to make you smaller. But the punishment was much greater. And people, when they go to school, they learn. There was a fight. The moon said, I want to be bigger than the sun. Hashem punished the moon and he made it smaller. He punished the moon much bigger than that. Because actually a star, if we look at a star, right, it's much smaller than the moon. And the stars didn't do anything wrong. And it's brought down in the Medrash that Hashem created the stars to fill the pagam of the moon. That what the moon was missing, Hashem created the stars to be sort of the, all the stars together, to be what the moon was missing. So the question is, the stars are much smaller than the moon. This is a very beautiful answer. The answer is that the biggest punishment that the moon got is that it doesn't give its own light. Not that it's smaller than the sun, but that not only it's smaller than the sun, it's dead. It's dead. We landed on the moon. It's dead. It has no fire. It has no life. It is only a reflection of the sun. The stars that were given to help the moon... They're not a reflection of anything. They are suns. They are smaller suns because they're further away. So the help of the moon is, Hashem took all the power away from the moon. It's only a reflection. To help it, the moon should learn that the most important thing is not the size, how great you are. The most important thing is that you are who you are and you're not just a reflection. So a star, even though it's much smaller than the moon, right, is much greater than the moon because it's only small because it's further away. But really, it's much bigger. So a person who lives their whole life in jealousy, that I want this because she has this, and I want that because she has this. I want to get engaged, and I want to get married because my friend got married. Chas v'shalom. Then you're the then you're the you're the sun and the moon. You want to? I want to get married because I want to get married. My friend happens to be married, but that's not why I want to get married. That was the problem that the moon said. I don't want a husband like my friend has. I want a husband like I want. I don't want a car or a house. I don't want children like my friend's children. I want my own children. You're not allowed to want what someone else wants. And if you do, then your whole life you end up becoming a moon. You end up becoming a mirror. There's no self. You're just a reflection of everyone else. And I want to tell you, 
peer pressure. That's the problem with peer pressure in school. This cookie. Co- You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.